Well, great to see you all back from holiday. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started a short series entitled Prayers That Make a Difference. And the very first one that I spoke on was the prayer of Jabez. And as you would have heard, Jabez means pain. Pain. And one of the things that Jabez prayed was, God, that you would keep me from evil, that I, I may not cause pain. And in reflecting on that, it's not just that we might cause pain, but the reality is that every one of us go through situations that are painful. That's part of life. Sometimes physical pain, uh, but most often emotional pain. And we're all made so differently that we respond differently to stress situations. We've had a really, really, really hot couple of weeks uh, in Whangarei, and one of the hottest days was last Monday night. So we were round at the kids' place, and the grandkids were having a water fight. And this was later at night, and so I got involved, and they had their little water bottles. I had a huge bucket, and I was ready to just drown those kids. So I snuck around the corner of the house and um, spied them and uh, made my run, targeting the older one, of course. And uh, what I didn't see was a rock in the garden, and I hit that rock, and I just went head first, carrying the, the, the bucket of water. <laughs> and I just landed, scraping across the concrete path. So I took skin off my side, took skin off my shoulder, and full deep, um, full thickness skin off my elbow here. So I am lying dazed on the concrete path, thinking, where am I? When all of a sudden, I feel all this water coming down on top of me. <laughs> One of the boys had taken the opportunity, seeing Papa down, he just went, bang, straight in, water, dirt all over me. The, the, the other one was just standing there, you all right, Poppy? You all right? So two completely different responses to the same situation. Same parents, same grandkids, different genes. All right, so which one would you be? Just a thought, just a thought. Neither of them are wrong, but each of us, each of us are just so, so different. And we all have different natural responses to situations. We all act differently. And when we experience pain, emotional pain such as fear and anguish and frustration and anger and hurt and grief or, or loss, all of those particular areas that cause us just to really ache inside, uh, we, we respond differently. Uh, some people blow up or explode when they're hurt. Uh, some people will repress or suppress those feelings. Some will just 
really re- just withdraw from life just about and try and live with their pain without dealing with this. And, and this can be uh, incredibly damaging uh, when you withdraw or when you don't deal with these situations. Uh, it can lead to anxiety attacks, it can lead to depression, can lead to post-traumatic stress syndrome, can lead to physical sickness. One of the things I've noticed about great men and great women in the Bible is that, first of all, they all go through difficult times. In fact, I think some of the greatest ones go through the most difficult times. And one of the things that I see when they're facing painful situations, every one of those great men and great women have learned to cast their cares on the Lord. And often this is something that doesn't come naturally. It's something that we have to learn. And it's something that we have to grow in. King David, uh, who God said was a man after his own heart, is such a good role model. If you just read through the Psalms, you find that Psalm after Psalm, he is just pouring his heart out to God. But this morning, we're not going to look at King David, but I want us to look at an amazing woman, a housewife, who was just emotionally bullied and broken, had great pain and sorrow in her life, and who cried out to the Lord and broke through for both herself and her nation at that time. And Hannah's story is told in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's a story which is very familiar to most of you, but we're going to read it through anyway. So this is it. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a certain man whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came, Alcana, uh, came for Alcana to sacrifice, he would give portions of his meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once... When they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son... Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. 
Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. What a great, great story that is. What a great passage. A um, passage, actually, that was the beginning of a breakthrough for the whole of the nation of Israel at that time. Every one of us have areas in our life that are not as fruitful as what they could be. Most of us have experienced pain in our life. And in fact, I would imagine in a group this large this morning that a number of us are carrying hurts or carrying pain within that we really need a breakthrough in this morning. So I want to give you just three keys from the life of Hannah to breaking through from pain and emptiness to blessing and fruitfulness. And I know you'll be able to use these keys in lots of different situations uh, just to get yourself on track in the things of God. And the very first of these keys is this. Recognize the areas in your life that cause you or have caused you pain and you need a breakthrough in. Recognize them. Recognize. Hannah was barren. And every month her body would have reminded her of it. Barrenness, we need to understand in the Hebrew culture, was not just an unfortunate thing. It wasn't just a matter of regret. It was a tragedy. It was a reproach. It was a matter of deep humiliation. The Jewish woman knew that children are a heritage of the Lord. And for the devout Jew, there was the hope that perhaps from their body would come the long-awaited Messiah. It wasn't enough to be part of a company of people who would greet or who would see the Messiah, but the secret longing of every Jewish woman's heart was that God would choose them to bear the deliverer. I think that it's not enough to be part of a movement or a church experiencing blessing and fruitfulness. But we need personally, each and every one of us, to experience that blessing and experience that fruitfulness for ourselves. We can never live off other people's uh, relationship with Lord Jesus Christ or from other people's experiences. We can be encouraged by them, but we can't live off them. Uh, Each one of us need to have a fresh manifestation of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in our lives. But before we can experience fruitfulness, before we can experience blessing, we've got to recognize those areas in our life that we really need a breakthrough in. 
And we all have areas that are not as fruitful as they could be. Some of us have been suppressing areas of pain and hurt and anxiety and fear or frustration. And showing the British stiff upper lip doesn't work. We need to recognize those areas of need in our lives so that we can actually do something about them. Uh, Few people here are problem-free. The good news is that it's people with problems like you and I that Jesus came to heal and restore and forgive. In fact, he said uh, one of the verses that I hold on to time and time again, it says in Luke 5.31, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he was referring to himself as Dr. Jesus, the one who comes to us in our time of need. But it's only when you recognize that you have a problem that you begin to look for a solution. I reckon that you and I can identify with the man who prays, Dear God, I think you're going to be proud of me. So far today, I've done everything right. I haven't gossiped, I haven't lusted, I haven't lost my temper, I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish or overindulgent. I am very, very thankful for that. But God, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. From then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. Amen. And that's about it. That's about it. We all need Jesus' help. And the first step in breaking through into a new place of healing and wholeness is to actually recognize that you need a breakthrough. Hannah knew she was barren, but it wasn't enough for her to recognize her problem. She had to do something about it. And the second thing that we need to do when we recognize that we have an area of need, when we recognize that there is an area of barrenness, when we recognize that there are hurts and and uh, things like unforgiveness that we have been suppressing and living with for some time, we actually have to do something, and that is cry out to God. Don't hide from dealing with the problems of life. Hannah had problems. Not only was she barren, but Hannah was provoked by her husband's second wife continually. She was misunderstood by her husband, who said, aren't I better than 10 sons? Well, the reality is, no, he wasn't better than 10 sons. I mean, that's why she was in pain. While he was good to her and loved her, the reality was that she was grieving and she was hurting and she was deeply in need of a child. She was misunderstood by Eli the priest who couldn't tell the difference between intoxication and intercession. He saw her mouth moving, but nothing coming out, and he thought, she's drunk. Have you ever been misunderstood by the senior minister at Church Unlimited Whangarei? (laughs) Give it time. Give it time. If you've been here long enough... You'll get that. But the reality is that Hannah's hope 
wasn't in her husband or in her husband's other wife or in the priest. Her hope was in God. And she prayed and put her trust in God. 1 Samuel 1.10 says, And she greatly distressed prayed to the Lord. And out of our pain and distress, we need to cry out to God because he's the only one who can answer our heart cry. My brother and one of Penny's sisters came to the Lord because Penny and I prayed, asked God for their salvation. Don't be satisfied with your present state. Cry out to God. Psalm 61 says, Hear my cry, O God, attended to my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's, the, that's David just crying out to God, saying, No matter where I am, no matter what situation I find myself in, I am going to cry out to you, God. Remind the Lord. That barrenness, unfruitfulness, emotional pain is not his intended order for you. But God wants to bless and turn barrenness and brokenness into blessing and fruitfulness. He's the one who can answer our heart cry. He's the one who is bigger than any problem we might face. He's the one who is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. But we've got to ask. We've got to seek God. And don't let unanswered prayers stop you from coming to God. I've had prayers that have been answered straight away. I've had prayers that have come to pass after a week. I've had prayers that when I've looked back on the past year, I've found God has answered those. But I have prayers that I'm still waiting to see an answer to. And if I just say, oh, God doesn't seem to have answered that one prayer, I dismiss the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of prayers that God has answered. So keep your trust in God. Every major revival that has been recorded in the last couple of hundred years has been characterized by men and women crying out for God. And God not only wants to bring revival and refreshing to nations, but he wants to bring revival and refreshing to your life and to my life. Acts 3 verse 19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We need those times of refreshing. I need those times of refreshing. My family needs those times of refreshing. This church definitely needs those times of refreshing. Our city needs this time, uh, times of refreshing. And in fact, in our minister's prayer meeting every Wednesday morning, we pray, God, pour out your Holy Spirit on our city. And let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And array as it is in heaven. God, we want the culture and the values of heaven to be the culture and the values of array, And we pray that. Uh, I was um, really blessed to see a post uh, from one of the people in our church. Uh, it came through last night. 
just saying that to one of the um, bishops in England is absolutely amazed at how a prayer movement is sweeping uh, throughout uh, the nation and the nations. They started up the specific um, praying that God's kingdom would come and his will will be done. They expected a thousand people to sign up for uh, this particular prayer for this particular, at this particular time. They had 100,000 people sign up. God is moving. Uh, I don't know whether you saw it, but uh, at the Viaduct Event Center, it uh, would have been a couple of weeks ago, uh, 2,800 Christians in, from Auckland, from uh, Church Unlimited, from City Impact, from Life Church, and uh, there was one other, which just, um, which, equippers, equippers, joined together for a night of prayer. They had to turn uh, 200 people away. Because the place was absolutely filled both nights. God is stirring up his people to pray, which is absolutely fantastic. But you can't be stirred up to pray corporately before you learn to pray individually. And you've got to have that, that heart that no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstances are in your life, that you will cry out to God. The third thing that I see that we need to do is to use our faith to see divine possibilities for our situation. Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And it says that Hannah said, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Hannah was already looking with the eye of faith to the future and the divine possibilities of what it would look like when God answered her prayer. George Bernard Shaw said, there are some people who look at the way that things are and ask why, and there are others who look at the way things could be and ask why not. And we need to be those people who will look at the way things could be, trusting in God and ask why not. Because we're the generation of people who God said he would pour out his spirit on. We should be like no other generation. We should know the plans. We should know the purposes of God for our lives. So don't settle for maintenance mode. As good as holidays are, people, holidays are only a time of refreshing to get us back to the direction that we should be moving. And you can't live in holiday mode all your life. I'm coming up to, well, not quite yet. Uh, and in a year or so, I'm going to be 65 years of age. And some of my friends have retired at 65, and I'm thinking, I love golf. I love fishing. But honestly, I can't imagine spending all my days, all my life, playing golf and fishing. What a bore. God might as well take me now, if that was the situation. There is more. There is more to life than just golf and fishing and having a lovely wife. I just thought I'd throw that in, just in case. <clears throat> yeah. But the reality is, God's got a plan for my life. He had a plan for my life 50 years ago. He's got a plan for my life today, and he'll have a plan for my life in 20 years' time. God hasn't stopped the plans and the purposes of God 
don't stop when you get to age 70 or 65 or 60 or whatever it is. They might change slightly, but the plans and the purposes of God stretch through into eternity. And so until you step over the line, keep going, hard out for God. Make a difference. Make a difference in your family. Make a difference with your grandkids. Make a difference in your church. Make a difference in the city. Make a difference in the nation. I remember Penny telling me one time, she said, hey, if I ever end up in the hospital on, a, um, on an incubator, um, or what was it? That's not the right word. <laughs> Intubate, yeah. Ventilator, that's right. Incubator, that's, that's for kids, yeah. <laughs> if I ever end up in a hospital on a ventilator, she said, don't turn it off. While I'm alive and praying, I can still be of use in the kingdom of God. All right, I might have blown the words, but you get the idea. You've got to give me some grace. All right. Don't settle for maintenance modes. God has a dream that he wants to dream through you and I. Look for divine possibilities. And don't let God-given dreams die just because of a few problems. Hannah had problems. The woman with the issue of blood in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 5 had problems. Twelve years, she spent all her money uh, on doctors and was still bleeding. Uh, and, but she just said, if, if I can just touch Jesus' garment, I'll be made whole. And she did, and she was. We need to be a people of vision who, despite our problems and lack of fruitfulness, will see divine possibilities of God touching our lives, of visiting us afresh. Let's begin to see with the eye of faith those divine possibilities for our situation. Instead of pushing down our fears and anxieties, instead of complaining and moaning, about the way things are, instead of living with hurts and pains, instead of being complacent and accepting, we need to look with the eye of faith, look with the eye of the Spirit to the way things could be and cry out to God and say, why not? And by the way, I need to apologize to um, one man who came up to me a couple of weeks ago uh, to talk to me about uh, when I mentioned Donald Trump. Uh, in one of the messages, and I was, I was probably a little bit dismissive there, but I, I think one of the things that we need to recognize when we see things happening on the world stage is that what is happening on the surface is not necessarily what's happening in the spirit. And lots and lots of times, God used unrighteous, ungodly men to bring about his plans and purposes for the nation of Israel. Uh, men like Darius and Cyrus, kings, uh, who were in themselves heathen kings, but God used them to make a way so that his church, so that his nation could flourish. And when you, when you look and see what's happening, realize that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against powers and principalities. And there is a tremendous, tremendous battle going on in the heavenlies at the moment uh, for righteousness and uh, it's interesting just to see what God, is, uh, what God is doing 
And there are some amazing things happening. Absolutely amazing. John 4.35 says, Don't say four months more than the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And I reckon that is, that is right for us at the moment, that the fields in Whangarei are ripe for harvest. We just need to open our eyes and see the possibilities that are there and cry out to God and ask Him to come into our situation and circumstances. God answers prayer. And He wants to bless. He's for us. He says, call on me and I will answer you. 1 Samuel 1 verse 20, it says, And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And when I read that, I thought, well, I need to become pregnant with the seeds of God's plans, the seeds of God's purposes, the seeds of God's presence, the seeds of God's blessing." We need to recognize that we need more of God. We need to cry out to Him and we need to begin to look with the eye of the Spirit and begin to see divine possibilities for our situations because God answers prayer. You know, it's absolutely amazing the number of significant children that were born to women who were previously barren. I don't know whether you've ever done a study of this, but let me list some of them for you. First of all, Sarah was barren, but God answered her heart cry and gave her Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. Abraham and Sarah carried God's promise in their hearts way, way, way before Sarah ever carried the child in her womb. Rachel was barren till she brought forth Joseph. Joseph was the child of prominence. He was lifted from the prison to the prime minister's chair in a day and had probably the most impact that any one of God's people had on a heathen nation. Manoah's wife bore Samson, who was a child of power. He received tremendous anointing when the Holy Spirit came on him, and he did phenomenal works of strength. I think that Samson probably looked more like me than than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because when you see a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, everyone thinks, everyone expects him to be powerful. When you see a guy like me, <laughs> everyone laughs. <laughs> but the reality is when the Holy Spirit came on him, when the Holy Spirit came on him, there was just amazing power that came and flowed through him. Child of power. Hannah brought forth Samuel, who was a child of prophecy. Samuel means heard of God. 
And he was a prophet of rare clarity and power. In fact, the Bible tells us that none of his words failed. Everything that he said came to pass because when he said things directively, he said them after hearing what God was saying. And he was the child, he was the one who learnt to hear the voice of God, but then heard it so clearly, and he changed the nation. He absolutely changed the nation of Israel and brought Israel back to God. Then, in the New Testament, there was Elizabeth was barren. But she brought forth John who was a child of purpose. He was the man with a mission, and his mission was to prepare the way of the Lord. There's one more barren woman described in the Bible. And that barren woman is found in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 3, and it's the end time church the church of Laodicea, the church that thinks it's rich when it's really poor compared to what God wants to do in it and through it. And I think the church in New Zealand is like that. We have known blessing in the past, but really we have not taken hold of those blessings and really run in the direction that God has planned and purposed for us to run in. But I'm so thankful that God is the God of the second chance. Amen? And I know that out of barrenness comes fruitfulness. I I mentioned that Whangarei, uh, the fields are ripe to harvest. Have a think about this. Think in your personal situation as the musicians come, please. Could you, as a family, as a family, do you think it would be too much of a stretch to think that as a family, you could win one other family to the Lord over the next two years? Have a think about that. Just just think. If, If you really prayed into it, if you were really motivated, if you really heard God saying, this is what I want you to do, would it be possible for each family to win one other family to the Lord over a two-year period? Have a think about it. If we all were able to do that, we would have the fastest-growing church in the nation. And yet, it's not so far out there. Sure, it needs a miracle from God, but it's achievable if we were to partner with God. It just needs for us to see with the eye of the Spirit and start to look for God's blessing on these situations. God's desire is that out of problems and barrenness and brokenness that he will 
bring fruitfulness, and in your life birth a child of significance that will be the culmination of all of those that have gone before. Because the Latter-day Church is not just going to be a child of promise. It's not just going to be a child of prominence. It's not just going to be a child of power. It's not just going to be a prophetic child or a child of purpose, but it's going to be each and every one of those. And it is going to be magnificent. But it starts with recognizing the areas in our lives that need a breakthrough in. Crying out to God and asking for Him to move afresh in our situation and circumstances. And then applying the faith that God has given us and beginning to see situations and beginning to see circumstances with the eye of the Spirit and seeing what God will do. Amen? Why don't you stand your feet?